with I mean you're potting today, baby. I'm just okay. saying okay. you're a pot. You are you're dropping some you're dropping some jewels today. Um, it's not your birthright to be a champion. Is that yours or did you get that from somewhere? No, that's mine. So that's every, yours. Well, I'm you know yeah, I mean now I, the funny thing is I'm pretty good for some some things every once in a while and they just and I always say, you know, again, with all due respect to the guy up above, I'm I'm just talking through someone larger than me. But so I'm not that on command, I can't always dial it up there like that. But every once in a while I've got some good hey, stuff. There's no question. I'm And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Zebra Stripes Podcast. I am Coach Gene Clemens, joined as always by Coach Witt. Witt, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. I mean, we don't have to we don't have to act like it's it's any surprise. We we saw the results. The curse is broken. Um, you are no longer the kiss of death when it comes to your um your predictions. How how do you feel about that? Uh you know, blind squirrel bound to find an acorn so i found an acorn taking the field and uh but i i did feel uh legitimately good with picking georgia uh I mean, i'm not gonna say i felt too good but felt pretty good uh knowing maybe they had uh, more to play for uh some good storylines there uh, alabama not you know with injuries and you know just not your dominating maybe Alabama team it dodged a few bullets throughout the year so I thought if you were going to get them maybe this was the was the time so uh but mostly blind squirrel finds an acorn well yeah and it's interesting because if you if you think about it this is the year to get them because next year I mean they're loaded again some of their guys are so young, they can't leave, even if they wanted to. I do think I would be a little I would be a little bit apprehensive if I was some of their like elite star level guys about how I want to play this next season. Um, because we we've seen it. I mean, we we just saw we just saw their their receiver who was who was predicted to be a top 10 pick go down with a with an ACL injury. Now, obviously, ACL injuries aren't what they used to be, so he's he's predicted to make a, a full recovery. But when you're talking about someone who's literally months away from being millions of dollars richer, all of a sudden now having to deal with a, with, with a knee injury that he's going to have to rehab, if that slides him, you know, five slots, ten slots down the – you know, down the draft, if at any, I don't know if it will, but that's, that's money that he loses from a game that he doesn't get paid to play. So I think that's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. Um, Cause we keep getting these examples every time there's this argument about should, should kids play in bowl games? Should they not play in bowl games? And the argument usually is, well, if the game doesn't mean anything, then you shouldn't play. And my argument is, if you're not going to play because the game doesn't mean anything, then should you play because the game means something? Like it, your 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 decision should be: I'm either going to play because I want to play, or I'm not going to play because I feel like I'm I want to put myself in position to take advantage of this bag that's waiting for me right here. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and we both know you can uh, get injured 
crossing the street on any given day too. So there, there's a lot to be factored in there. What about the seven transfers I was reading about? Is that a higher number for Alabama uh, entering the portal this quick after that game? I saw two for Georgia. Is that, you know, because I know that's been uh, talked about how they don't lose guys and people wait their turns and, you know, it all pans out. And then I see that seven a couple of days after that game. Um, but I don't know whether that's a bigger number at, at this moment or not. I think that's a normal number for, for Bama or any high-level yeah. team. I, I think what you would be surprised is if you saw guys who were like major factors on the team transferring. Right. I think that's what we're seeing at other universities where you've got starting quarterbacks who are transferring. Right. You know, um, I, I, if you start seeing that at Alabama, I would be – I would be surprised, but watching like the starting quarterback from Missouri transfer and the starting quarterback from Oklahoma transfer and the starting quarterback from USC transfer, like that, that to me is an alarm of how your organization is run, you know, how, how your, how your team is run, whether or not people believe in what you're doing and what, or, what, or, or if they don't believe in what you're doing. But when we're talking about, Alabama, you just don't see that type of thing happening. You see like the third string offensive lineman transfer, the third string running back, or the, the fourth string defensive lineman. You don't normally see a starter transfer somewhere else. But I think we've seen it before, but the transfer portal definitely puts more of an it, it shines more of a spotlight on guys transferring now. But yeah. I think that most of those guys had to do it so quickly because they're running out of time. Yeah, yeah. but I, I just I, I think with Alabama, though, that there is something to the uh, notion that um, in general, they don't see the same level of transfers. And so uh, B. Robinson, you know, the story of the running back is a great uh, example of someone who hung in there behind, you know, uh, Damian Harris and that string at Najee. And, all their running backs and, you know, probably con you know, did contemplate it once or twice, but hung in there. And so as a fifth year guy gets his day in the sun. Um, so I and, think and, and a payday that, from it and a payday yeah. from, it. you know, that's yeah. the, that's the biggest thing. He'll be a day two. He'll be a day two selection. Yeah. And um, I, I think that, but I think that when it's, when the precedent has been set, like this is, this is how things roll here at Alabama. I yeah. think that you see a lot more people kind of they understand it. They're willing they're willing to deal with it. Um, it's almost like why you see so many people transfer from Kentucky basketball after their first or second year if they're not playing a lot, because at Kentucky, the idea is you can come here. And if you're you know, you're coming here to play right now, we're trying to get you in here, play and then get you off to the league. So if somebody comes in in their first year at Kentucky, they're not playing, they're probably never going to play. So, you know, it, it's probably time for them to move on. But I think at Alabama, it's been, it's been, it's been set. Hey, listen, you come in. Obviously, if you're otherworldly talent, you may be able to, to, to kind of speed that process up. But if you sit back and wait your turn, you're going to get an opportunity to shine, whether it's by because people graduate or people get hurt. And then when you get that opportunity to shine, we're not just going to come and jump somebody else ahead of you. We're going to give you the keys and let you run, um, which I think is something that's, that's allowed Nick Saban to be so successful.
in the words of Coach K, um, you know, best thing someone can do is run their own race. So I think, you know, that that's the hardest part today where kids are comparing themselves to everybody else, or might, or maybe not even the guys, but others around them are comparing them to, to others or, you know, using the rankings and it, uh, instead of, you know, each, each guy's race is a little bit different. You know, you got to run your own race and you might be a one and done, or you might be a three-year guy, but you might be a five-year guy. And, um, you know, if you can figure yourself out, there's, you know, potential for each one of those scenarios to work out, but you just can't run the other guy's race. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so it's so interesting because I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the NFL or not NFL, excuse me, but with, yeah, with the NFL saying, Hey, you got to spend. You got to be three years removed from, in order to, go and get this money, or at least to even try to attack this money. I I, I think that that's not how. Like life should work, but I also have to admit that, because they do that, guys walk into the NFL ready to play at many many positions, as opposed to basketball where when they walk into the NBA um you know you don't know what you're getting right you know, you're still getting a baby yeah but it still raised the question right obviously only a small number of those guys in the NBA are ready that young to 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 make an impact but you know I've heard NBA people talk about before like hey you want to train to be in the NBA you might as well train with NBA people and and back to the earlier point about injury you know, if I'm a football wide receiver or running, he's a skilled guy, particularly, uh, why not? Okay, I must have said something foolish again because there he goes. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, you I was out. just being, I was just being still, so yeah. still, so quiet. So, where I was going is if I'm a skilled guy in football, uh, I may or may not get right on the field, but you know what? I, I can train, you know, I, I can do a lot of things with that NFL team to get myself ready and, and also get paid, by the way. Um, and and not maybe have that risk of injury just because I because I don't really want to be in school anyway and some of that sort of stuff. So I I would you know I think it's an antiquated uh, rule myself that the NFL that that benefits the NFL the players union as well as the colleges, but not yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's definitely a a um a free feeder system a free minor league if you will. Right. Um, that they get to take advantage of. I'm just saying from the standpoint of what we see on the back end of the on the results yep. side of it, we see players walk into the NFL. And if you spent three years in college and you walk into the NFL, I'm expecting you to be able to play. I'm not expecting there to have to be this gigantic curve that you have to, you know, um, get through. Now, some people that might that might be the case, but for the most part, we see them walk in and they're they're ready. Whereas in, I feel like basketball is full of a bunch of players who suck their first three or four years in the league, and then you they get lost because everybody's impatient. They go from team to team to team, and then all of a sudden they pop up five or six years later at twenty five, you know. <laughs> And at and at 24 years old, and you're like, man, this guy is really, really good. How has he not stuck with a team? And you're like, well, he didn't know how to play basketball yet. Like, 
Right. And maturity's maturity is a good thing too. So even in the case of, of, of football, um, you know, just the the added experience of you know being in a college environment and growing up per se uh, potentially uh, adds value to the football field when the time comes, rather than being you know a youngin around a bunch of grown men and you know trying to fit into a lifestyle that is well documented, uh, difficult to do. Absolutely. You know what else is difficult? Um, players can be difficult, mm. and I think we, I think we talked, we 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 started to talk about it. Or we 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 were going to talk about it. We just ran out of time. I know we wanted to come back to it um, this week, but the idea of dealing with with what you would call a difficult player, and like we were saying, not not the A B style of difficult player, where somebody that's you know just there may not be something right um, up there. And, and and by the way, I've heard people say that, yeah, he was always, he always had a little bit of this, you know, flash of bravado, but it was after the hit from, um, uh, from, from, from the, the linebacker from Cincinnati. I forget his name right now, but they've essentially just, they blackballed him from the league because he kept getting penalties at some point. But, there was a hit that he took from the the linebacker from Cincinnati that he he was concussed from, and and people said that he hasn't been the same since. Hmm. Like that hit, like his whole his his full demeanor changed after that hit. I wonder if, I, and I know there's probably no way to like figure it out, but if there was a point of origin for his attitude, that attitude flip to have happened at that point. When he came back from that injury, it, it's really in, it's, it's interesting. I don't I don't know, um, but we were talking about you know difficult players and, and dealing, coaching, um, having to work with a difficult player. What's been your experience with working with or having to deal with difficult players? Well, I mean, I, I mean, really, if we're being fair, then the, the, we ought to frame the conversation. But, uh, you know, difficult players and difficult coaches, because, you know, let's not fair. Again, we have to be careful about, uh, you know, say hey, difficult players, because uh, there's difficult coaches, too. And on any given day, uh, any one of us might be difficult, too. So, Absolutely. OK, hello. Uh, we got to be uh, a, a little bit careful. But, you know, on the surface, uh, I, I would say this: it, it might vary um, sport to sport. So, just talking basketball, um, and I've felt this for a long time. Um, you know, one or two difficult players on my roster uh, of twelve or fifteen uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, sometimes can be a good thing. And, and the reason I say that, uh, one, it can it can stir the drink a little bit. So it can spice things up, uh, keeps things. Uh, and two, you know, everybody, coaches and players alike, you know, can go, oh, that's a, you know, they'll recognize it. Whatever those symptoms are, the difficult player, whether it's an effort thing, attitude thing, responsibility thing, depending on what we're talking about. Uh, like, hey, that's that's not the way we want to go there. You know, um, you know, we we've got to be better than that. You know, again, whether it's a discipline thing or effort or attitude, depending on what it is. So you almost it gives you an easy uh, let, let's just say target. OK, I'm not sure that's the best word, but 
where everyone can go, okay, we, we've got to, that's not what we're aiming for. And then meanwhile, as a coach, you do your work with that guy. Uh, you know, I, I had a kid in recent years, that really intriguing. And you take a lot of satisfaction as a coach when you work hard with a guy and, and, and can see, you know, down the line, uh, him make the kind of adjustment and progress that we'd uh, like to see and maybe even recognize it himself and, and say something. You go, man, uh, and that takes a village, too. That takes a lot of people maybe within your program and, and beyond within the whole uh, school. Um, and that that's a gamble because as a coach, you got to decide sometimes, again, depending on the nature of the difficulty, okay, is this really worth it? Uh, you know, is this, is this, a, is there a, is there a solution here? So I, you know, I like challenges and I don't, you know, it, the easy way to go is, you know, cut out the cancer right away. Like you got any sort of problem. Uh, but that's, you know, depending again, what the nature of your work is and this and that, that's, that seems like the easy fix, uh, the hard way. I think the more rewarding way is, is knowing that none of us are perfect and, and trying to, you know, at least give it a good honest shot to make the situation work. Now, that being said, you know, in this day and age now, uh, character, character, character. I say it all the time. I, I think it's really important. Uh, it always has been, but I think it's more important in today's world because of the pressures that's on everybody, but mostly the guys themselves or gals. Um, and so there's got to be, you know, uh, more character than ever to negotiate the landscape and so my teams that don't have too much difficulty on them tend to be better off so like i i'm i'm a little you know i stick to my guns on my theory that if i have a difficult situation i'm all in i'm, I'm okay with that if it's again one or two i think you always got to look at your group and know that a third are totally bought in right and and going to do whatever it takes a third or you know pretty well bought in but maybe have to make some decisions up and, and you know and then you got a third that you're you're fighting for so you gotta you know you gotta get a critical mass there so uh, i i don't you know i'm not i'm not on the i'm not looking for problems so i'm not recruiting a problem intentionally glad i got you to smile at that one it's a long diatribe by me. Sorry about that, listeners. Uh, I'm not looking to recruit a problem, but, uh, you know, if life happens, so if I have one and, and we deal with it. And, and I think in the sport of basketball, one or two uh, is a spice of life. Yeah, I think I think the. I think the thing that we have to we have to remember is. They're still trying to figure it out the same way that we're still trying to figure it out. Right. And so if if we know that they're still trying to figure it out the same way that we're still trying to figure it out, how can we help them get to that point? My 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 issue, my issue with the difficult player and knowing that I could be the difficult coach. Is that. I I tend to be harder on or more strict on. I tend to be more strict on the, the the talented player. And I think that what I've what I've seen um either through playing or through coaching whether it's football or basketball is the talented player 
on top of being talented, usually has some type of gravitas to them. You know, something that just makes people come to them. And so if you let anything go with that type of player, you end up with you end up with a, a a situation where the other people see him and they take the cue from him. So it's I almost feel like sometimes it's it's easier not to cut the cancer out, but to treat the cancer publicly. You know, yeah. whereas well, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. No. No, I was gonna say, look at I mean, anytime and definitely the the smaller number sports you hear coaches say, hey, look at any time our best player is our hardest working player. Uh, things like that. I mean, you got a chance to have a good team. I mean, you definitely, so you're talking about being the strictest, you know, with, with, with your best player. I mean, that's fine. But I, I, for me, it's more important that, uh, you know, if, if I can get it right, then my best players are, are leading the way through their example of effort and also understanding of the game, you know, because I, I am a big believer that, uh, huge believer, players are teaching other players more than, you know, maybe sometimes coaches are teaching players so facts facts yeah, yeah I, I just think it's i think it's tough it's tough because we we this, this is going to sound bad and i'm not going to apologize for it because it's the way i feel we live in a society of followers and so being in a society of followers when you have someone that's a leader that is not necessarily the best example that Man, that's deleterious to your to your team, and and it could cost you, it could cost you in the win column, which as as I well know, it can cost you your job. And so, um, when you don't have, I think I think I see a lot of coaches out there that are willing to sell their their whatevers for the W's because they're trying to keep their job, and I understand it. Um, but I also think that. When you say, oh, well, this kid is not you, but when any coach says, man, this kid is so good, if we can just get him to do the right thing, you know, if we can just get him to 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 to, to buy in, yeah. if we can get that's the that's the big thing. If we can get buy in from him, you right. know, he he can he his his impact can be felt more than just in what he's able to produce, but in what other people also see him do. But there's a lot of times where you don't get that guy to buy in. And when you don't get that guy to buy in, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough on your team. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. And you can't, I mean, to me, I, at, at once I kind of recognize that that's not coming from there. I mean, I, I don't try to waste my energies. I, I try to do it another way, get to the genuine leaders on the team and see if, you know, and, and try to, uh, lead the way that way and maybe maybe the the guy we're talking about comes along for the ride steps up and maybe he doesn't but i'm not gonna uh i'm not i'm not gonna put all my eggs in that basket hoping and praying um the other thing that i find interesting is it doesn't have to be a a, uh um difficult player but it could be some of the guys that i've i've you know that have had the hardest go whether it's they've sacrificed the most they don't play as much or I've been hard on them because trying to get them to, you know, maybe uh, uh, change their game to fit what the team needs or something like that, where they see themselves, their role differently than maybe the way we see it. Uh, but whatever the case is, some of the guys that I've seen have the toughest go 
are the guys that over the longest term I have the, 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 the best relationship with. Like, you know, that's always so, you know, back to, I, I do believe in, for the most part, trying to treat everyone the same, not, not, you know, uh, which again is impossible, but, um, the bottom line is, uh, that time spent with those guys, you know, uh, can be some of the most valuable time a coach is going to spend. Uh, it comes back to me all the time that, that, uh, you know, the stars, like you said, the guys with the gravitas, the guys they're getting their due, whether it's from us, from me, from the outside college, they're, they're, they're kind of going to get their due. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the other guys that, uh, end up uh, over the long term having some of the most quality relationships with that's kind of fascinating including some of the guys that you did have difficult relationships with that that maybe you ended up coming out on the other side with a uh, you know winning the war i find that i find that the relationships with those are the ones that i enjoy the most yeah. um when when it just didn't work out in the time that we were together but then five years, 10 years down the line, they, they come back, they hit me up on social media. Oh, coach, man, it's so good to hear from you or so good to see you're doing well. I remember what you told me and because you know what? It's, it's, it, 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 it's strange, but it's sometimes you feel like these things are falling on deaf ears when you say them to, to players, but then you have to remember yourself as a player and know that there were times when you were listening, where it didn't seem like you were listening. Yeah. And so sometimes you just got to let it, let it play out. It's amazing what they hear. Um, you know, so that, I think we, we both know that it's incredible what they hear. And they'll remember stuff that I've forgotten in a day and, and they'll remember it 20 years later and talk about it. Uh, you know, I say this to the players too, as a way to your point about, you know, the humility of it all. Um, hey, look at, we don't, as a coach, you know, you don't do the job. You don't do the same job every year. Like that's the, you know, you want to get better. So number one, you know, and that's the age we live in is right. Trying to get better. Um, but, uh, you know, all the time, right. Lifelong learning, but, uh, you know, it's hard to do the same job. So every year is different. So that's what I, I kind of recognize. Like maybe some years I would have done a better job with some, you know, with a kid or with a situation than I did in, you know, uh, any other given year. It's not the same. Like every game is different. Every year is different, particularly in my situation where, again, it's so fluid where the roster is turning over. So, but I think that's true everywhere too. Like coaches, just like players, you know, they're changing all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation to have because I think one thing leads into the other and the other being, you know, coaches getting fired. You told me something um, many years ago, speaking of, of, of things that people remember. And, um, you told me that you're not really a coach until you get fired. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, you're not really a coach until you get fired. And I was like, Oh, at the time I was, you know, as, as recently fired, I was like, man, that's some bullshit. But like at the, at the end of the day, I, I think you, you made a really good point. Um, and and that was that you you get fired and now you have to sit back and you've got to go, okay, am I just not good at this? Or are there some things that I need to, you know, just need to adjust and then take another run at this thing? Um, and so for me, just looking at 
you know, being somebody who has been told, hey, listen, we're going to go a different way. Um, it, it's a humbling experience. And so every year when we see these coaches that are out there get fired, we all have sympathy for them. You know, because we, because many of us have been there, we've 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 gotten that call before, where somebody says that the job that you're doing is not good enough, and we're gonna we're gonna go another way. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's the the you know you tell players all the time that dealing with adversity is, you know, that's that's part of the growth process. So I mean, the ultimate adversity for a coach is being told you're out the door. So, uh, you know, I I, I think you gotta you know maybe young men, especially in, in the coaching business and athletics, uh, have a tendency to think of yourself as a little bit invincible or above it all. And until something hits you, like getting fired, it might be something else. Then you, you go, oh boy. So I, I think there's there's real, uh, there's real opportunity there. Um, and we've talked a little bit before, uh, you know, so I was on a staff at the University of New Hampshire, ultimately that was fired. We had a couple of great years and a couple of years that weren't so good. So I mean, it was a heck of a, you know, a window of five years for me to be on both sides of division one basketball. But, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's different say as an assistant coach in lower division one being fired than, you know, uh, than, than Brian Flores or, you know, a high major coach. Uh, and like I've said to you before, some of the low level assistant guys that maybe end up out of the business altogether, um, you know, there, there's challenges there, like, you know, and I've talked on the phone a lot of times to assistants, you know, looking for jobs and networking and this and that. And you can, you know, some guys are better than others at negotiating that difficult path. Uh, but it's, it's like you said, it's a lot of soul searching and figuring out what, what the next move for yourself is. And, you know, uh, just staying true to what, what it is you want to do. Yeah, I think I think, you know, when we're talking about stuff like this, it's hard for you because you've been a boss for so long now. You're just out there cranking out, you know, good team after good team. You haven't had to had to, you know, walk that plank in a long time. You've forgotten you've forgotten about us, man. That's what yeah, you that's can what say it that. is. The, the <laughs> listeners know anything about Bridgen Academy know I've been on a self not not self imposed plank, but you know, this hasn't just been winning for a decade. Uh, we've gone through some some tribulations here uh, as a program. So uh, I'd almost, you know, I thought about that before, by the way, too. Like there are times, my wife, in fact, said, you know, one of the previous guys at Wit, I don't understand why you weren't fired when they cleaned a lot of house in, in the previous administration here. I said, yeah, I, I don't completely get that either. It's kind of funny that people that are here and others that aren't and and but then there are times when i say god darn i mean honestly it would have been in some respects uh easier to just been fired you know and i thought about that several times like okay and then you know where would i be what would i be doing all of that now again sitting where i'm sitting today and things are a little bit better i mean actually things are considerably better a lot better like, yeah, yeah it's okay it's okay uh, to say it you know yeah, winning ugly winning ugly on on the eighth things are a lot thing. better um for the Wolverines. Um, and, you know, one of the things there, right, again, lessons is that uh, 
you know, a lot of the young men I've coached that stay in touch and through the, you know, I mean, like that was my issue. Like my issue was, okay, can I go from a guy that won a hell of a lot of games and championships and a certain level of notoriety on this level to trying to grind, you know, cause it's the kids, they're the ones that, that was my issue with, you know, the leaders of the school saying you're a private school, you, you know, we don't have to win every game, but, but you can kind of dictate how this thing goes. So I just, I, I think there was some faulty decision-making thinking about the situation you were putting guys in, if I'm being perfectly honest, but um, you know, the bottom line is I had to be mindful of, of you know, it's, again, it's the guy's experience. So, and and so the hard part for me was keeping that standard of what we want to do up to the highest level but knowing that you know didn't really have the horses to compete at the level we had been that's not that's not their fault it really you know wasn't anybody's fault it was just a decision and then at the end of the day now uh you know the 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 guys moved on and play wherever they played and and uh not a whole hell of a lot was different. I do believe that there's something different anytime you win a championship. So I'm not going to lie. I think there's a little bit of a, a difference, but I don't think it, uh, I, I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, there's plenty, it's just like these NFL greats or who, NBA greats that play a whole career that don't win a championship. There's a little difference there. There is something to that experience, but I, you know, I don't think it's something that's so profound that, you know, it's, it's dramatically, uh, less uh something yeah i don't i don't know i'm i'll speak as a guy from the outside you know or kind of sort of from the outside looking in that 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 run that 04 to whatever run ba basketball that that run was magical like that thing was that thing was life was life altering like seeing like seeing people and and reactions and how things came together and 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 watching it kind of from the inside but not really like fully immersed in it from the inside inside but being a part of it to where I was I, I was fortunate enough to be close enough and, and then seeing the reaction that it had I mean the Wolverdome was the, the roof was getting blown off that thing on a nightly basis. Um, you know, you you stomping up and down the court um with that with that with that right foot just you know yeah. mm. crashing down. Yeah, that 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 the classic Whit Leisure foot stomp. Yeah. Um, I think it's gonna go into the Hall of Fame as is as a you know as a staple. Yeah. Um seeing the people and how they reacted around it, and it wasn't like it was. It, the reverberations I can't speak to because I wasn't I wasn't privy to the game um, of of like the New England prep school world, but I knew as a basketball person this this is different, you know, like this is different, and it you know it clearly being the guy who was in charge of that, then having to kind of completely do a one eighty shift on how how the business was was done had to be difficult um it had to be difficult to just to just go i know from a guy as a guy who's been fired um the one thing that i've been able to do i think it's the one thing 
is, is the thing that's helped me and it's what I would give advice to any coach on how to handle being fired if you believe that this is the profession you should be in. Every time I've been fired, I never hesitated to just to just jump back in at a at a level and do my job at that level, not think that I was better than that level. Um, and I think that's what's really helped. If if I'm going in and 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 I'm the defensive line coach, then guess what? I'm gonna be the best damn defensive line coach out there. If I'm the if if I'm the if I'm the wide receivers coach, I'm gonna be the best damn wide receivers coach. I'm not gonna be a guy who thinks he should be a head coach just out there playing around with the wide receivers until the next head coaching position comes available to me. I really immerse myself back into that level. And I think that's helped me um, to, to continue to grow as a coach. Um, I think that's helped me to continue to get opportunities and, and show my worth. Um, but I don't know how I would have reacted in the, in the, in the case of what, of what you dealt with, which is, Hey, this is the way you've, you've, you've done things and the way you, this is what you've built now change everything about the way you built it and this is what it's going to be yeah so i mean the bottom line is you you you, the the reality is um family right and so uh decisions to 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 make do i think you 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 do what you have to do and and so uh family was huge there and son getting up into a point in high school that that things were really lined up well for us so um for me to personally a little bit take it on the chin uh, so it was was okay. That was just part of the mix. Um, not easy, but part of the mix. Uh, I don't. It's not your birthright to be a champion. You know, it's a reminder to yourself. Like what? What is it? God. You know, it's not. Ooh. It's not my right to to win every single game. And I, and I I would say this sometimes. Like someone, I've said it to the AD. You know, someone's got to be Northwestern. With all due respect to Northwestern, or you know, all the leagues, Division One to three where institutionally decisions are being made oftentimes about who's going to win at what level, uh, at what rate, and who's not, you know. And, and so that's where I, I strongly believe, you know, schools just have to decide themselves, like, what is it we're in this for? What are we trying to do? What's what's the parameters of this thing? So for me to, I mean, that was the mind shift. So, okay, if we're going to be Northwestern, then we're going to try to be the best Northwestern um, we can be. And then obviously, again, you know, this part of my thing was I got to do this. I mean, I, Adam Finkelstein, who I respect a lot, came up to me at one point and might have been blowing smoke up my ass. But he said, Wit, you know what? I, I think you're doing a better coaching job now with some of your, uh, you know, lesser teams than you were when you were winning championships. And I said, well, if you're being sincere, Adam, that like I couldn't think of a better compliment. And that that would be what my, you know, kind of I would hope so, as opposed to you know, this guy is just selling these guys down the river because he doesn't give a shit. Uh, I didn't want anyone to ever say that. And I don't think they can say that. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely don't. I think, I think that, you know, you don't do what you do for as long as you've done it at the place that you've done it. If you didn't care about and have a love for the yeah. the people that you serve. And yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people who still believe that a coach is in service too. Right. Um, I don't believe that a coach should just be ran over. I don't believe that a coach should just like work for free. 
but I do believe that a coach is still in service too. Um, yeah, and I always say I, I and I think it's another Coach K line, but uh, you know, since it's his last year, we can quote him a lot. But I, I, I think it's a dance. You know, I that's what I say. Like I don't think you know, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's just about them. I think there's something in it about me. I think it's part me. You know, but it's but it's not obviously all about me either. So I I, I like to think of it as a dance that uh, and 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 you're, you're dancing together. And, you know, sometimes you're taking the lead and sometimes ideally late in the season, the players are taking the lead. And then, you you know, boom, 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 you know, different the teams take on their personality. But that's to me, that's that's the way I, I look at. I, that's the way I look at it with. I mean, you're potting today, baby. I'm just okay. saying Okay. You're a pot. You are you're dropping some you're dropping some jewels today. Um, it's not your birthright to be a champion. Is that yours or did you get that from somewhere? No, that's mine. So that's every, yours. Well, I'm you know yeah, I mean now I, the funny thing is I'm pretty good for some some things every once in a while, and they just and I always say, you know, again, with all due respect to the guy up above, I'm I'm just talking through someone larger than me. But so I'm not that on command, I can't always dial it up there like that. But every once in a while, I've got some good hey, stuff. There's no question I'm, about that. Wit, I'm I'm not even lying to you. When you said it, and and I got like <laughs> I got like all that, and I wrote it down on my phone, and I just and I tweeted it out. All right, like, that's that's how good it was. It's not your birthright to be a champion. I think we forget that sometimes. Like right, right, like oh, like, like like someone owes us a championship. Exactly. It's like no, that's that's not how it works. Also, do you think that we're gonna like? coach K better in retirement than we did while he was coaching. Is it possible uh, that he's going to be more light in that's retirement? A, yeah, that's that, that probably depends entirely on what coach K is thinking his retirement is going to look like. So if he, if he wants the uh, you know, if he wants a public retirement, then sure, probably because we'll see him around and he'll, you know, do some TV, you know, everyone will try to get him on and, you know, he'll become an ambassador for the game very publicly, which I could see that. Right. I could see him doing that because of his devotion to the game, in which case we will like him more. And some of the haters will probably, you know, go, God, this guy is, you know, recognized for what he is, an unbelievable basketball coach. But I could also see a guy like that walking off into the sunset and, uh, you know, saying, hey, listen, I've, I've lived my life in the public eye and my family and I don't I don't need it. And nor do I want it. So I could see that one going either way. It's interesting to me because I don't know if he can. I'm I'm curious if he can. Like when you do it for that long at that level with that much success and not even that success has to drive it. But when this is what, you know, for longer than like he, he's been a he's been a head coach at a high level longer than he's not. So now, like, like, like now is it, is it, is it time? Like, like what's pasture look like? You know, it's like, yeah, well, I think that's, that depends. Right. But that, that's a lot. I think it's analogous to, uh, to uh, professional players, right. Who have careers that say, man, you know, that, that retirement is, is, you know, a curse worse than uh, death or something. Um, so, you know, you got some negotiating what it is you're going to do with the rest of your life. Now, Coach K is old enough that it's, it's it, you know, it's a shorter time span than the professional athlete who retires in his 30s. Um, you know, Don Nelson, I was talking to another guy, you know, Don Nelson's in Hawaii playing cards with, you know, Woody Harrelson and I don't know the rest of his group. But, 
he doesn't seem to be having any problem staying out of the public eye. And, you know, not that Don Nelson was as, you know, big, I mean, pretty big damn name. That's, you know, uh, you know, pretty big legacy in the game of basketball, but, but different than coach K. So again, you know, do you want to go play cards in Hawaii? You want to go, you know, um, I want to go do a couple of different things, but again, uh, great question. Yeah. I'm, I have a lot of things that I want to do, but I'm trying to do them all at one time. And, and that's the thing is I'm, I'm trying to, trying to run all of these races at once. And sometimes I think you, you can only run so many. And so then you have to pull back on some things. Um, that's you're me sacrificing pretty. some other stuff. Yeah, that's me. I've, I've always believed that a little bit too, but a little bit of a, I, I rationalize it to, to a fault. I'm, I'm kind of a simplicity. And ex- that me? Is that you? No, that's me. Okay. Yeah. Simplicity and execution, even in my personal life where, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll just do these things because I want to do them well or because, uh, you know, I, my brain, if I start getting off on too many tangents, I go nuts. But uh, that that's sometimes a rationalization for my wife would probably say for not taking on some things I could probably take on, too. So, Well, it's, it's interesting because I believe that's a part of why I started. Well, not why, but why I've I've figured out that I can do more than just the one thing. Right. When when I was when I was dedicating my full undivided life to coaching and doing the best job I thought I could possibly do as a coach and a teacher, I got fired. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like to, to, to bring this thing full, full circle, I got fired. And and within it, the, the slap in the face to me was that I've been fired a couple times. And each time that I've been fired as a coach, they've all applauded and and wanted to have me around as a teacher and as somebody in the community. And And in my mind, I went, well, what am I doing differently? Because I'm the same me on the field, on the court, in the classroom, in the community. I that's the one thing I, I, I really believe that I, I puff my chest out on is I'm not I'm not switching. I'm not code switching. There's no this is how I act around you and this is how I act when I'm somewhere else. And so I I, I sat back and said, well, if they're just going to if if the if the result is they're just going to fire me anyway, when I think that I'm doing everything that I need to do in order to be in position to keep a job then I just need to have it where I do what I know is right and what I know is necessary, but also understand that it doesn't take me being in the office for 18 hours a day or me, you know, having to, having to to essentially surround my life by this in order to do a good job. And once I did that, I kind of opened up time and there were things that I was able to do. So I think you're a hundred percent right. No, I think you're 100 percent right. And I, I uh, Duncan Robinson says similar things on his my favorite podcast. They're the long shot other than this podcast. But Yo, shout uh, out to Duncan Robinson for being your muse. Yeah, I like it. No, but he, you know, he says, you know, he, I think he heard from somebody like Jesus, you should be, you know, training all day or something. He goes like, look at I that's my job. That's my life. I, I put an unbelievable amount of time uh, into it, which I'm certain he does. Uh, but, you know, this other thing is a pursuit that in some ways is a healthy escape and creative passion. 
So uh, I, I think anything you do to your point that gets outside of, say, your singular focus of coaching football or whatever, in my case, coaching basketball, I, I think there's some things that can loosen you up and, and, and loosen up the creative side of you that then end up helping you coach. And I, my own experience is, Hey, look at, I, I coach better in, you know, whatever we want to call that state. Okay. Flow or zone or looseness, creative, you know, where there's a balance between being sufficiently motivated and on edge and uh, focused, but also loose. And, and again, not every game, not every day is different. So, you know, I'm, I, I know, I know kind of where I want to be, the space I want to be in to coach. And my goal is to try to get there and, you know, within, again, each specific environment, home, road, neutral. And, and, uh, and, and there are, you know, when I'm too tight, I'm, I'm just less, I'm less effective a coach, you know, the same way if I probably too loose, which is less often, but, um, you know, same thing. So I I think that there are pursuits and exercise, right, for me is the traditional one to use to try to find that sweet spot. But but some of this other stuff, I agree, because there is such a thing, again, as trying too hard or caring too much. It's the two. So when you put the two, T-O-O, right, into any of this stuff, we're often uh, not as good. Yeah, and speak, speaking of too much, I know we um, we talked about it or we wanted to talk about it. Um, too much depth. Yeah. I, I, I see the and, – and I think that this is probably more of an issue in basketball than it is in football just because of the nature of how many people that you need because anybody can be injured, you know, on any particular play – and it could be a rash of it. See, you know, see the Ravens, you know, for that. Like, tell the Ravens that there's a such thing as too much depth. They'll probably laugh at you. Um, but how do you navigate it when you have so many players that are good and that do what you want them to do and that to where you, you have this abundance of talent and you know that there's only so many minutes in the, you know, in the game to play? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't think anyone ever plays a sport with the intention of being on the bench and being part of the depth. So I think in the, in the basketball world today, that's a, that's a really, uh, it's a significant issue because you can jump around travel teams until you find just the right spot. So a lot of times going to college or maybe in this case, going to prep school is the first time a kid's ever going to have to sit in the bench in his life and become part of that depth. Uh, that that's a challenge for for coaches at the college level for sure, um, and and so again back to the to, for me it's it's uh, you know the right type of guys if you if you have the right sort of guys that that can put team first uh, understand there's a lot of sacrifice involved and for the guys that are, are on the bench they're sacrificing more than anyone. Um, I don't think there's a definite number, but certainly as coaches, uh, certain philosophies lead to different numbers. So there, there are some that might want eight players, like at the scholarship level or any level for that matter, and then not too many good players. Uh, there are other guys that may be playing a style that, you know, are playing 10 or 12 that might want that. 
uh, their coaches that, and I could, I've seen it, uh, you know, 15 or 16 guys in the preseason. It's fantastic because you can have some unbelievable practices and do some things that you can't with a smaller roster. Uh, but then maybe you uh, run into some challenges when you get into games. And likewise, if you have, you know, too many injuries and you run around with six, seven guys and you're practicing, like I've had that before too. And I, I tell guys, well, you know, this, this kind of stinks now, but, you know, a couple of weeks from now, we get into games, it's, it's, it's going to be better. That being said, no one ever expects not to play. And, I, and I'm telling you, whether it's uh, your 12th guy, your 15th guy, uh, your ninth guy, teams like I, I've said, hey, look at I've told guys, well, I'm not just going to play you because you're on the team. You're looking and say, geez, I, maybe I should play. Well, no, you'll play if you, you know, seemingly have earned the the right to play and and help make this team better and all that. It's not, not pay for play or anything else. So, um, you know, kind of how everyone fits together dictates maybe, uh, you know, the role of that depth. So mostly I, I think, I think depth is a good thing, but with the wrong sorts of guys uh, can be a bad thing. Well, that's what I was, I was going to talk about is because I think that, who you have will will determine how many you need to have of it, right? Um, yeah. yeah. For me, for me, and I and I and I know as as football coach, as as basketball coach, when when as player, as a player, I always looked at it as as if the team was worse if I was not on the court. Obviously, that's a that's the level of you know, um, story I'm looking for. That's the level of of vanity, I guess, that you you need to have in order to be successful. Like to think that hey, like I need to be out there because I'm I can I give us the best chance to win. Yeah. Um, but also that can be dangerous because what if you don't? You know, like it can be dangerous when you don't. But I always, I always felt like there were certain things that I did as a player that made me invaluable on the court. Like if I wasn't making, if I wasn't making shots, I was, I was never worried about being taken out because I locked people up. Like I was in your shirt. You're gonna deal with me missing a layup because I'm about to go out here and shut somebody down. Like it was that type of thing. So as I ascended, um, and I, and I played. I played on the AAU team and I wasn't one of this was probably pre guys jumping around everywhere, but I played for a really, really successful AAU team. Um, Spirit of Tampa Bay. Um, our best player was Desmond Allison, who um, you know, was starting as a freshman at Kentucky, um, over over Tayshawn Prince um at at, at the time, you know, and, and we had several other I want to say everybody on that team went to college to play either basketball or football, um, either at a um, big time division one or a really, really like special D two school or something of that nature. Um, And so like the amount of competition, we, we would go games and we would all play, but the coach had this, had this philosophy of just like subbing in like units we yeah. would come in almost like, you know, these five, they play together and these five, they played together. And I remember when I first started coaching, especially basketball, 
I didn't like that model at all. It didn't feel it didn't feel right to me. So I, I came up with something that I thought worked better for what I wanted to get done, which is depth, because I want you to go as hard as you possibly go until you can't go. And then I'm getting your ass out of there, like regardless of how long that is. So it's not about me just bringing in a brand new five just for the sake of bringing in a brand new five. If you're cooking, I'm going to let you cook until you're not cooking, like, or until you're huffing and puffing or you're putting your hands on your knees. Anything that gives me the indicator that you may not be able to sustain that level that you were just at. Now we're bringing somebody else in. You know, if you want to play, be good. That was Dean Smith, too. I mean, he, he, well, yes, it was Dean Smith, of course. That's where. Right. The hand that's my, signal. That's my guy. Yeah, the hand signal, you know, coach, give me a rest. And if you took yourself out, as soon as you basically, if you were ready to go back in, you you kind of put yourself back in. You know, I don't, I don't know if he did it his entire career. I have no idea, but I know he made that, you know, famous where you had the just what you said. Go as hard as you can, take yourself out, you because you know yourself better. Um, yep. put yourself back in. So yeah, yeah, I, I I think that 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 allowed me to have more guys on the team that I felt were well. I never wanted to have anyone on the team that was just like not not serving any purpose. But I did make it a point to put people on the team that may only have served one purpose. Yeah, you know. So it's like I had a guy who, who couldn't play any defense. He was a not very not very good at dribbling. But if you left him open. That was three points. And I told him with no uncertain terms in very witlejure like fashion, hey, 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 here, guy, your job is to shoot. So when I put you in, if you're in longer than a minute and a ball hasn't gone up, you should be looking to the sideline because it's probably somebody coming to sub you out. Like if yeah. you didn't come in and you weren't here to just start doing what I asked you to do, we'll find somebody else to do it. And and he would. I remember specifically, and you'll 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 get a kick out of this because it, it just reminds me of a Whitlajure thing. Like he was he was out there, and I mean he was smoking. He had hit like four threes in a row. And the next play, they swung it to him, and we we've got everybody hooping. They swung it to him, and he gets it, pump fakes, takes two dribbles, and throws a floater up. And before the ball hit the rim, I had a guy at the I had a guy at the table, and he comes out and he walks over. He's like, Coach, what? I'm like. I'm sorry. Did you? Did I all of a sudden put you in to shoot floaters? Like, didn't I? Like, this is what you're here for, right? Have a seat. We'll we'll get back to you in a minute. It's okay. It's just interesting when you think about these things when when it comes to depth, because I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I was a guy on a team like Baylor. Like Baylor, they're twelve deep. Yeah. Like, what do you? What are you going to do if you're the if you're 12 where you could most likely start everywhere else but at Baylor you're 12 right now and and the first 5 they're all going to be first round draft picks and the next 5 there's probably somebody that's in there as a first round pick or a guy that's just so invaluable that they can't take him off the field long and you're 12 and you're like man I'm I'm really really good but I'm 12 yeah, so I mean, like like we were talking about. Uh, I mean, first of all, you're gonna have unbelievable practices. So some of your practices are probably gonna be better than uh, some of the opponents you're playing. 
Um, so you know you're getting better or you, you have an opportunity there. And then, and then you know, may, maybe you wait your turn depending, you know, cause, and you know. I mean, they just got to go. And so uh, – and because winning, you know, usually uh, doesn't cure. I mean, cures most things, most everything. So if you're in that type situation and, and te- the team is doing well and you like, you know, the, the group, you know, the, the players that are surrounding you, then – you're probably okay if you're in that same scenario, you know. But you're you're losing. Um, look out! It's 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 tough out there. It's transfer uh, time. That's what that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's transfer portal time. If you're out there and you're you're in a a collective and you're not winning. Yeah, and it's so, blame game time and you know all of that. So yeah, it, it's in like I said. That's that's one of the things you you never know too much depth. Like like in football having. Having three quarterbacks on your team that are all good—it sounds great in theory. Like, but can it really work? Like, can you really have three legitimate starters on your team without without two of them feeling like, "Hey, man, I I gotta get the hell out of here," you know? At the end of the day, for me, I, I just say, look at, um, you know, it's it's it, it's gonna everyone's gonna it's gonna be earned. And so same thing, if I was a football coach or basketball coach, uh, you know, you have to dis- uh, decisions to make who's playing, who's not, or what, what, you know, where people kind of fall in the pecking order. And, and I will tell guys, um, Hey, listen, now, if you don't, you know, come and talk to me at the right time. And, and if you don't uh, uh, like what you're hearing from me, uh, go see my assistant see what he's telling you that you could be doing or, you know, the way he adds it up. Right. And if you really want to do yourself a favor, uh, find the most honest teammate you got, find someone on the team that you trust and, and ask them, Hey, listen, I don't get it. I think I ought to be, you know, playing in front of Billy or Tommy and, you know, uh, the best teammates are going to obviously tell you the truth and say, Hey, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, so, and, and I, my, I, I don't think parents necessarily accept it all the time, but I think players for the most part uh, accept a, the truth and B uh, you know, the fact that someone might be better than they are, you know, and that's going back to, you know, our own experiences, whether it's again, being fired or losing, like sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And then you have to have the courage to know that, uh, you know, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So you got to just, you know, look at defeat's part of life. So what are you going to do next? Absolutely. And, you know, um, we'll, we'll wish you, we'll wish you and the Wolverines um, luck this, this Friday, the second half of a home and home, yep. um, you know, with, with who sat. Yeah. Um, Hopefully this one is a, is a win, but a, but a pretty win instead of an ugly win. Well, we've had, yeah, we've had another week to practice and hopefully have a good practice today. And, um, you know, we'll see they they, you know, they're all tough in their own right. And so we'll do our best and, and, you know, we know we got them at home and try to get some momentum going into the league and, uh, hopefully not have the guys looking down the road too much. Cause that's always trouble. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for this edition of Zebra Strikes Podcast. I'm Coach Gene Clemens. That's Coach with LeJour. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you're listening. 
to the podcast. We love to hear from you. Love to hear your feedback. Um, we, we appreciate the people who are who are listening right now. We've got a few. We've got a few um, loyal listeners, Coach. So um, hopefully that thing continues to grow. And and Cycle Bar, don't forget about us. Whenever you want to put that, you know, that sponsorship together, we we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, um, you you guys be safe out there. We'll see you.